There are times when creating is more important than the creation itself. Putting something on the page and getting to have fun with it for years to come is a great way to express yourself and form memories you can fondly look back on. This week on Scheduled for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Emily about her array of games, from Jane Austen-inspired period pieces to wedding planners and even ex-superheroes running a Little Leagues team, there's always something to put a smile on your face. We talk about writing, other podcasts, and game jams. Welcome to Scheduled for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be talking to somebody I've been trying to get a hold of for how long now, Emily? Three months? Four months? A little bit longer uh, than uh, all the stuff before? Yeah. An extended period of time. It's been quite a while. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is our second actual time recording this episode. The first time we did it, both of our internets were so rough that <laughs> the episode was totally unusable. I think we cut it like 30 minutes in. I kept on dropping off. It was just a bad scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I am super excited to have you joining us to talk about just basically your collection of projects and the tabletop role-playing games you've made. And there's a, a fair few of them, so I'm I'm really excited about that. Thank you. I'm also very excited to talk about myself. <laughs> well, with that in mind, Emily, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, gosh, who am I? I'm Emily. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. You can find the games that I make at uh, all lowercase, too many feelings five uh, dot itch dot io. The five is the number five. Um, what else do I do? I baked pretzels yesterday. They're, they were very tasty. Oh, I love pretzels. Um, and, uh, yeah, my mom sent me a really cute picture of my cat today. Her little pink paws are just so cute. <laughs> it's got the beans and everything. Exactly. We love those cat beans. <laughs> like I said, we're going to be running over quite a few different projects today. So... Let's ask a starting question here. Can you tell the audience a little bit about how you got into tabletop role-playing games and how you got into designing them? Yeah, sure. So um, a big inspiration for getting into them um, was just kind of generally like being on Tumblr or whatever and just occasionally seeing like content from the Adventure Zone or Critical Role or Friends at the Table um, and thinking like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and actually back when we were like maybe 10 or younger, my brothers and I found a really, really old edition of Dungeons and Dragons in my grandma's old rickety beach house. And, oh. um, yeah, we tried to play it, but we had no idea what we were doing. Um, all I remember <laughs> is that I made a dwarven rogue and I was really excited, but then obviously we didn't actually play it because we were like nine and had no idea what we were doing. Um, and then, yeah, so anyway, back into getting into it. Yeah, so I started listening to um, The Adventure Zone and Critical Role and Friends at the Table on my commute to work. Um, and what really got me into designing, I had this moment listening to um, the uh, Mary Elda arc and Friends at the Table in their um, 
like the world building when they played the quiet year. And I had this moment oh, of yeah. thinking like, you know, I could make something like this. Not, you know, not in the <laughs> sense of like, I could make the quiet year, but in the sense of like, this is really interesting and I want to like do something about that. Um, and also uh, the discord community role plus bond has been a huge inspiration uh, they are an offshoot of like friends at the table fans um, who hmm. uh, make design and play games. So, yeah. Yeah. Fans of the show might remember Weston and Adela from the role plus bond group. Mm-hmm. They're great people and they have great games. They, yes, they do. I have my copy of wisp right here, actually. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I find that a lot of people who've been on the show lately have been inspired by Avery Alder's games, actually. Like, a mm, lot of people mm-hmm. on here. We had somebody on recently, Will Lentz, and his first really popular foray into making something that wasn't in his typical wheelhouse was an inspiration mm-hmm. from Monster Hearts, actually. So, mm. like, yeah. That's very good. So... Emily, a handful of your games are made using hacks of other systems. You've also mm-hmm. made a couple of your own pieces, but can you tell us a little bit about the difference between designing a game from scratch versus hacking a game that is pre-built or from an SRD? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think there is so <laughs> it depends on the game and it depends <laughs> on the system that you're hacking. So, like, for... Mm, let me think about this. I had a whole <laughs> response planned out in my mind, and then it just you went away. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Okay, so I think it really depends on the context. Um, I think it depends on the game and the system that you're working with. Sometimes um, when you're making a hack of something, it makes it way easier because you're already working with a set system with rules and mechanics that you can futz around with. Um, But in other ways, it can be difficult because you can work against the constraints of the system you're hacking. um, And you have to like be creative and figuring out how to work around those constraints. And then conversely, when I made games with like my own system, uh, in some ways it was really easy because I could just kind of be like, oh yeah, like that's the mechanic. Let's just slap that on there. Um, (laughs) And kind of have that freedom to just kind of like play around in my own sandbox versus somebody else's. Um, Mm. On the other hand, uh, designing my own system required me to make my own sandbox um which could be difficult (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's totally fair one of your more recent games to agony hope is a hack Mm -hmm. of lasers and feelings now before we really get into what agony hope is what does laser and feelings add to agony hope or how did you build it up from lasers and feelings into your own game Mm mm-hmm um, so I think, uh, for me, the main, the, the first inspiration was the title agony hope. Honestly, I'm not sure how to say it out loud because it's <laughs> agony and then two slashes and then hope. And it's like, well, I guess it's agony hope. We'll call it that. Um, right now it looks great. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. So the so the inspiration came from uh, that quote from Persuasion by Jane Austen, which goes, you know, I am half agony, half hope, and I think I just had like the the joke thought of like, oh, you could have two, your two stats, agony and hope. Um, <laughs> and uh, from there, you know, it was pretty easy to connect that to lasers and feelings. Um, but in terms of lasers and feelings as a system overall, I find it really great and easy to work with because it's so flexible. Um, yeah. You can really like design a whole wide range of genres and kinds of games within that system. Um, and it also lets you, uh, you know, operate with pretty simple mechanics. So that way you can kind of emphasize like the flavor and genre and tone that you're going for over like explaining rules. That's totally fair. Lasers and Feelings is a really nice open system. And mm-hmm. you see that through that through line in Agony Hope a lot. So now that we've kind of explained the basis for it, can you describe a little bit about what that game is? Yeah, sure. So Agony Hope is a lasers and feelings hack inspired by the works of Jane Austen. Um, so we have two stats, Agony and Hope. Um, and because I love rollable tables and prompts, uh, there are lots of <laughs> rollable tables and prompts to choose from, uh, for character creation, for, um, the kind of estate you're going into, because the premise of the game, uh, is that you are all, um, you are all gathered at this big estate for a big event. And, um, you know, you're trying to achieve your goals and your utmost desires, uh, which are, of course, in tension with what, you know, Edwardian sensibilities want. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's the game. It's pretty simple, but there's a lot going on there, especially for those Jane Austen fans. Like, I remember hearing a little bit about this one and some of the possibilities for, for those tables, which, from what I'm aware, has a lot of, like, really good content throughout it. Oh, thank you. Well, it goes on to tell a really good story set in that time period, which I appreciate. But it's also loose enough where you could adapt it into other places, which is always a bonus, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not, uh, you know, chained to historical accuracy by any means. My goal <laughs> was really more <laughs> to, you know, uh, invoke the sense of like reading a period era novel or like a like a period romance um so you get you get like the high drama and messy entanglements with you know these fancy gowns and outfits and like you know the big estate and everything yeah and that's it's just a lot to work with which i think is good for for games of this type Mm -hmm. so we're kind of going to run through your your three most recent, Agony and Hope being the most recent one. Let's move on to Three Lands Run to the Marsh. This game is also a hack from the same system as Descended from the Queen, if I remember correctly. And it's a text prompt based game. Mm -hmm. How do these games work? Because I'm not personally familiar with text prompt based games. So, For the Queen is one of my favorite games. Uh, It's by Alex Roberts. It is one of the first games I ever played. 
Um, and it's really simple and really elegant, uh, and I love it. And basically what it is, is you have a set of prompts that are written on cards and, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't do any preparation beforehand. You know, the, the most that I've done colloquially just with like, with family and friends is just vaguely asking like, what setting do we want to be in and go from there? Mm -hmm. Um, So they're really, you know, there are no mechanics, uh, there's no character creation. You just start off by drawing a card and each player answers a question um, and they answer the, the they answer the prompt as their character. And then once they answer it, then the other players around the table can ask like follow up questions. And then you go from there. And in For the Queen, the game ends when someone draws the card, uh, the queen is under attack. Will you defend her? And everyone answers that question, and then the game ends. Just like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that's rad. So yep. it rules. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'm into that. I I really like Quiet Year for that abrupt ending too. So I mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. So then, what is Three Lambs Run to the Marsh? So Three Lambs Run to the Marsh um, is, I got the title and cover from a cover jam hosted on itch.io by Yuri R. Um, and I saw I saw the, the cover and the title and I was like, this is really interesting. I'm going to snag it for the jam. And um, <laughs> I was thinking a lot about it and I was like, well, I could make it about lambs or like, but then I started thinking about like the predator and prey relationship. Um, oh. And I thought it might be more interesting uh, to make the game about uh, wolves that are trying to hunt the lambs that have run into the marsh. And uh, the game's premise, um, three lambs run to the marshes, pre- pre- the, 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 the three lambs run to the marshes. Pre- uh, what word am I looking for? Premise. I found oh, it. There it is. I found the word. <laughs> Three lambs run to the marshes. Premise is that um, you are wolves. You have been cast out of your pack, and that you've been sent to hunt the three lambs. And um, you know, if you succeed, then you can be welcomed into the, into the pack. But no one has succeeded before. Um, so good luck. Who knows? And <laughs> you know, the game the game is designed where. You can pretty easily, you know, you don't have to play wolves. You don't have to be chasing lambs. You know, it's not that specific. Um, But the the core concept is that you've been cast out of a community and you've been tasked with um, something impossible to try to, um, you know, get go back into that community. And uh, yeah, it's a descendant from the queen hack. So, you know, instead of uh, prompt cards, it's a standard deck of playing cards and the prompt coincides with which card you pull. And then the game ends once the second Joker is drawn and everyone answers the prompt. And the game ends. Okay. So I I know it's been a little while since that cover jam, but what mm-hmm. was the inspiration for that cast out of the community theme? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about... Uh, I was thinking of, okay, so I was thinking about the predator and prey relationship, and I was thinking about wolves being, okay, 
So first of all, I started thinking about the lambs as being like something that are very difficult to hunt or like catch or whatever. So that got me thinking about like things that we want, but are always just out of reach. And then that got Mm -hmm. me thinking about like, you know how like wolves in fiction are portrayed as like these really strong and powerful, like apex predator animals and of course they are in real life, but yeah. they also struggle a lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. they hunt a lot yeah, and they, they don't do. succeed. Um, and so that got me thinking about the desperation that drives hunting um, and the desperation that drives uh, someone to want to try to get something that seems impossible. Um, which then led me to think about, you know, wolves and wolf packs and, you know, the general sense of, you know, what drives someone to, you know, leave their community and and go on this crazy quest. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what, that's what got me thinking about that. These kinds of thoughts are the reason why I could not survive a game jam. (laughs) Too much for me. I'll stick to You're podcasting. So it's it's so much in that time crunch. Mm-hmm. And now that we're yep. on game jams, I, I want to ask you, because like you've done a couple of games that mm-hmm. are are you've done a couple game jams. And from yeah. what I understand in talking to Weston and Adela and Adam and Thryn, who are other people in Role Plus Bond, I did not forget about mm-hmm. you two. You're amazing. <laughs> there is there's a joy to to game jams and really getting in there and a lot of people really like that time crunch so to you what's the joy of a game jam and how does that work for you what's the inspirations and the process yeah so i think for me what pulls me to the game jams that i've you know game jammed in uh are you know the central theme which immediately helps to give me like a prompt and a sense of direction um Mm -hmm. and you know like with the cover jam or with the other jams i've done it's like it's evocative and and strong and makes me immediately makes me think of ideas um Mm -hmm. which is really helpful and then yeah i like the time crunch and you know obviously there are going to be game jams that i join that i don't you know submit on the deadline or whatever but like (laughs) having having that sense of like, oh, I need to, I need to get this done, um, is helpful for me instead of stressful. It it, it gives me a sense <laughs> of structure and direction. <laughs> no, that's good. That's perfectly. That's like a perfectly good and valid reason. Also, something important we should do. Could you just super briefly tell the audience what a game jam is? Because I don't think we've talked about one in like oh yeah fifteen to twenty episodes. So. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, we should probably tell them what it is. <laughs> so a game jam, you you know, you can get it at any of your local stores. Um, you know, it's pretty, <laughs> you can spread it on bread. So, okay, a game jam um, is, you know, I'm not an expert. I haven't hosted a game jam. But basically, it's someone um, posting like a, like a central concept or theme so like for instance for three lambs run to the marsh the game jam was a cover jam so yuri designed a bunch of covers that people would then pick and then make games based off of the covers and their titles 
Um, so essentially it's someone posts like a central theme, so like the cover jam, and then um, all you know, all kinds of people are allowed or, or encouraged and able to post uh, their games based off of the theme. Um, and yeah, you pretty much, the only requirements are what's put in the jams. So in the jams that I've done, they're pretty loose and it's just kind of like, well, just make a TTRPG and like go wild. Um, you know, don't be an <laughs> asshole, make a game, have fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what a game jam is. And I think something that's super important to add to that as well is that mm. a lot of game jams, not all of them, cause there are some pretty stingent game jams. But mm. a lot of them, the real concept is you should put something to paper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 encouraging you to create something, and it's also encouraging you to create something with the other people who are in the game jam. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool, like seeing what what other people are like doing. It's like, oh wow, I never would have thought of that. That's really neat um and it's not like a competition it's just like oh we're just you know doing our own thing and then vibing yeah it's and every game jam i've seen has had some of the most incredibly supportive people ever just in mm -hmm. general and even those things that aren't exactly game jams but kind of loosely revolve around them like i was in the mm -hmm. the zine month 2022 discord and those people are so good to each other like, I don't know if you've seen that, but they are so good to each other. And I mean, Weston talked a lot about game jams in his episode. That was a major theme mm -hmm. for Weston, who's run multiple game jams at this point. Yes. Um, which kudos to you, Weston, if you are still listening to these podcasts. Um, kudos either way. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next game. My personal favorite. I adore this game so much. Let's talk about Toad and Frog Get Married. Can you tell the audience yes. what this game is? Yes, absolutely. So this is another lasers and feelings hack. Um, yeah. And if you ever if you ever grew up with the children's books, um, Frog and Toad by Arnold Lebel. Let me double check. That sounds right. Book. I, I want to like attribute him correctly. <laughs> Arnold Lobel. Lobel? Oh. I don't know. It's Arnold and then L-O-B-E-L. -E um, but anyway, yes. So Toad and Frog Get Married is a lasers and feelings hack where essentially the basic premise is that those book characters who in, you know, throughout the series, uh, it's a series of children's books, um, and it's these two frogs, it's a, it's a frog and a toad, and they're best friends, um, uh, and it's a game about, like, well, what if they get married? But then it's the other element of, um, you are also frogs and toads, and you are a party of adventurers, and you think of, and you think of that as more, like, classic, like, D&D &D or fantasy style, like, you yeah. know, you have a warlock, you have a wizard, and you've been hired by uh, Frog and Toad to make sure that their wedding goes off without a hitch. So that is the premise of the game. The best insertion. I've seen this game inserted. A couple of my friends, actually, who had no relation to knowing about... Like, I hadn't told them that you were coming on the show or anything like that. But I had a friend recently reach out to me. He's like, yeah, I'm sending 
my D&D party through Toad and Frog Get Married, where <gasps> they're still going to play. The, yeah, they're still going to play their characters, but oh, it's, it's, it is still just Toad and Frog. So, <laughs> <laughs> so delightful. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Once again, laces and feelings hack. How does it work? Like, basically, the two stat system again? Yep. Uh, your stats are wedding and adventure. Uh, if you're good at wedding, then you're good at like, you know, the social stuff. You're good at like emotions and like feeling your feelings and, and also doing like mundane activities, like, you know, making sure that the DJ is ready or whatever. Um, but if you're better at adventure, then you're better at more of the like, you know, heroic, big fantasy stuff um yeah attacking defending magic spells mm -hmm. whatever um so you pick a number uh between one and five uh and that correlates to what you're better at wedding or adventure um and then yeah you just kind of go from there you roll and you know lasers and feelings blah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of my favorite ways to see this game done as well is also getting the characters really invested because they don't want to overshadow frog and toad. And so <laughs> yep. like seeing them try to do really heroic things without upstaging them at their own wedding, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I think is not, I don't think it's written in, but it's definitely heavily alluded to. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, like it's de it's definitely the vibe of like you're hired, you know, you're these like you're these like big fantasy adventurers, and you're hired to make sure that this wedding, um, you know, goes off without a hitch, and that means that like as all of this crazy stuff goes down and you do all these heroic things, that like your main job is to ensure that this wedding goes off really well, and um, one of the uh rollable uh or choosable whatever prompt prompt list is you know why are you personally invested in this wedding um <laughs> and who are you in relation to frog and toad so that way like you're not just like oh i'm just doing it for the money or whatever you're doing it for a more personal <laughs> reason to make sure that their wedding goes really well it's it's kind of like your friends that have been hired yeah basically what was the hardest part of this game to design, though? Oh, God. I mean, probably coming up with unique stuff for each, like, adventuring, quote-unquote, playbook. Um, because mm -hmm. I played D&D, like, once, and it was kind of like a joke <laughs> session. Um, and I was just kind of basing everything off of, like, fantasy, like, archetypes and stereotypes more than yeah. anything. Um so I was like, all right, cool. So we're going to have those and then um, making each playbook have like their own specific move that they could do um, in a session because it's designed to be like a one shot game. So you really just have like a single okay. session of it, you know, and then the wedding ends. Yeah, I mean, you, you could continue it on forever, but it's not designed that way. Um, no, no, definitely. Not. And <laughs> no, <laughs> the wedding and it's never over. <laughs> um, Play Lasers of Feelings at that point. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> just go into space. Um, yeah, so so the hard part for me was coming up with moves uh, for each playbook that felt, like, unique mechanically. Uh, unique and usable 
mechanically while also still like being heavily embedded in the setting and tone and, and genre of the game that I was making. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of stuff with this, and I'm glad that I remember when Toad and Frog came out and people were just really into it. They thought it was really cute and fun. And it is. I love it. And mm-hmm. I remember you telling me that the TTRPG design space provides you some like areas of creation that you don't really get other like out of other mediums. So can you yep. tell me a little bit about that? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because we didn't really go into details. You that you just kind of mentioned it. And I was like, I'm going to save that for a question. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. It's your right. Um, <laughs> it's your podcast. Yeah, so I grew up doing a lot of like creative writing, like I wrote fan fiction in my little composition notebook as a kid. Um, I would write like original short stories or whatever. And I still love writing and I still do it. Um, But what made me realize as I was starting to get into the TTRPG space and like playing them and making them and like, is that writing can be really solitary and independent. Um, and there's something really powerful about not only making, but like telling stories together collaboratively, um, with people, you know, and trust. And even with people you don't know that well, um, like I've made some of my closest friends, um, playing TTRPGs and we didn't know each other beforehand, like at all. Um, and I think there is a real, there's, there's a real power in, in telling a story together collectively and collaboratively that other mediums can't really capture. Yeah, it's, and I think a big part of that is like the trust, because you can go through and play games and have a good time with Mm -hmm. people that, that play in these games. Like I remember going into an adventure league night a couple of years back pre COVID and mm. I had fun, mm-hmm. but I remember afterwards also being like, I don't think I'll ever play with that group again. Yeah. And nothing against them, nothing against yeah. them at all. I had a really good time and that was, that was that for me, but some of my closest friends and especially basically every friend I've made, since the beginning of the pandemic has shared this hobby. So mm-hmm. I can totally agree to that. That makes so much sense. And the collaborations just, uh, if you're listening to this and you don't play tabletop role-playing games, first of all, might not be the podcast for you. If you're enjoying it, I I'm super stoked. <laughs> if not get some friends together and get like a quick start guide online. There's tons. Choose anything. There's Have so fun. much like, there's so much for, you know, I, I hesitate to say there's a game for everybody because, you know, this medium isn't for every single person ever. But no. I can guarantee you that if you're interested in this idea and you have, like, stuff that you're interested in outside of that, that there will, there will be a game that you look at and think, like, oh, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it can be kind of scary when you first start out because it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to, like, make this <laughs> with other people. Yeah. And like, you know, yes, and and all that stuff. Um, But it's really cool and really powerful. And it also helps me be a more like confident person in general. 
um, and like trust in my own ideas more, which is cool. Uh-huh. The scariest part about starting out to me was that for so long, because I think I was about 24 when I started really mm-hmm. getting into this hobby. So only three, four years ago. Oh, yeah, same. It wasn't super long ago. Yeah. Yeah. The most intimidating thing is that, like, as a kid, you get to play Imagination. And then one day, that's not okay. You know, you have to stop that. And now you join this hobby, and that's encouraged, and that's intimidating. Yep. Yep. It's really scary. Because it's like, you're drawing on your, on ins- at least like in the experiences that I've had, I tend to, you know, I draw on inspiration from things that I've liked and like things that I enjoy. And it can be scary to, I guess, like share your love of the, th- of, the, of those things and inspirations with other people in a way, like you have to overcome a lot of, I guess, like self-consciousness, but also you have to kind of like reconnect with your younger self in a lot of ways at least in my experience um which can also be kind of scary and embarrassing at Mm -hmm. times but if you're if you play with people who you know vibe with you and not even necessarily you know know the references or whatever but who you trust and who like are willing to accept your ideas then it's a really powerful experience yeah Super important thing, too, and I know we're talking to an audience that probably isn't listening right now, but I think it's important to get out there, especially if you haven't played tabletop role-playing games, is the first group you play with might not be the group for you. Oh, yeah. I know I said that a lot in the, the early parts of Schedule for Launch, but there are some people you will just not jive with mm-hmm. at all. Like, yeah, I, I have played with some incredible people. I have played with people I will never play with again and not because I didn't have a good time or not because I had a good time with them because sometimes you have a really bad time with a group and Mm -hmm. you're too awkward to leave the uncomfortable situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully I've never had that experience of of being in a group where I'm like, Oh, this is not good. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's the same with entering any kind of hobby. Like you find a group of people and you're like, oh my God, like, okay, I'm getting into it finally. But then if the people you first play with aren't people that you click with for whatever reason, it's perfectly acceptable and okay for you to, you know, not stick with them forever. Like you're not married to Mm -hmm. them. You can find other groups. They're out there. I promise. Or online. Check out Roll Plus Bond. Yeah. There's a game Check out like, Plus Bond. every four hours. <laughs> there are so many games all the time. And the people are pretty freaking cool, if I do say so myself. Yeah, they are. Okay, so let's get back on topic, because we went on a little <laughs> bit of a tangent there. Um, so we don't have exactly enough time to go through all your games. That's Really fair. closely. But let's do a really quick rundown of... Mm-hmm. The couple that are left, because like I said, you made a lot and we could probably do a deep dive on most of these. So I'm just going to run down the list. If you can give just a brief little note on what they are and how they work. So yeah, sure. let's start with a life preserved. Yep. Okay. 
<laughs> so Life Preserved um, was made for uh, one of Weston's game jams, actually. Uh, oh, Ghost this is jam- the same Ghost one jam. as yep. Ghost Jam. Yeah, exactly. Ghost Jam. And it started off, um, like many of my ideas, as a joke. And uh, I heard jam and thought of the food. Uh, and I was like, how can I connect <laughs> jam, the you know, jam with ghosts? And then I thought, what if, you know, there was a there was a jar of jam that was sentient uh, in a haunted house and people <laughs> over time came into the haunted house and may or may not find the jar of jam. But, you know, the, a story, a plot happens. Um, so that that's the game. Uh, so basically you go through, uh, three stages, uh, I think the, the past, the future and the present. Um, and you, you know, you rotate whoever plays the jar of jam at the, at, at, at those stages. Um, and the, the jar of jam is kind of like a GM in that they have moves to make, um, that they can do to other, to the visitors in the household. Um, but then mm-hmm. everyone else uh, plays visitors uh, according to, you know, the, the time period they're in and stuff. And, you know, they encounter yeah. prompts and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, that, that's that. That's a life preserved. I think it's hilarious. It's so funny. Thank There's you. a reason I started with that because of the hard tone shift. Um, <laughs> getting out to something a little bit more sweet and not in the jam yeah. way. Let's uh-huh. let's take a quick talk about Unsent, which I think is really sweet. Yeah. So Unsent um, is a letter writing game. It's a letter writing romance game. And uh, the premise is um, you write. It's okay. The premise is that you're playing characters who have had a correspondence. Like you've been sending letters to each other. um, But it's about the game. It's, It's about the letters that you don't send and why you don't send them. So the way the game works is uh, you draw cards that give you prompts about the, the letter's topic and everything, and um, you write your letters. And then as players, not as your characters, but as players, you give each other excerpts um, from your letters. So only like little fragments. And uh, the other player gets to decide uh, which part gets crossed out. Uh, for whatever reason. And uh, the crossed out part is more of like an emphatic like character decision um, or like aesthetic note. Uh, And um, then the player returns the crossed out bit to the other player. They incorporated that into the letter and that letter does not get sent. Um, And that's the game until uh, the final letter, which may or may not get sent, uh, you can decide. Yeah, it's I think it it's a really powerful game. And I mean that in like the best way possible. It Aww, especially for me because like I had a lot of uh not not guilt, but when I was younger, I had a lot of regrets uh mm-hmm. for the the what ifs and mm-hmm. not not even necessarily about romance or that stuff, yeah. but it kind of it struck that chord and mm-hmm. I I think it's a really good way to go about that. Thank you. Tone shift, beat the champs. What's this one about? <laughs> I tone shifts are great. I enjoy them a lot. Yeah. So beat the champs is about a retired superhero who um, decides to coach a sports team of ragtag misfits to possible victory. 
So someone plays the super, the retired superhero coach and the other players um, all play, uh, you know, various uh, ragtag misfits on this sports team. Um, <laughs> the fun thing about Beat the Champs is that you can really p- pick any sport you want as long as it's a team sport. Uh, I once played a session where we made up a sport called Roller Derby Uno. Um <laughs> And had a great time. I I played this once and the sport was curling. You know, you can just go buck wild with this. And because the premise of the game is not about, like, the mechanics of playing the sport and if you win or lose. The game is really about the team coming together and bonding. Um, so really, it, it's about, you know, the, the underdog story and the found family mm-hmm. and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, so something I'm proud of about that game is uh, the rival superhero coach uh, gets to uh, roll or choose a rival, uh, a, a ri- the rival coach um, of the big team you'll face at the end, and mm-hmm. uh, the 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 retired superhero coach keeps that as a secret from the players and the characters until uh, the last part of the game, and it's a big reveal, um, oh, which is very fun. fun. That sounds great. And finally, Chicken Scratch, which I believe was your first game. Chicken Scratch was my first game. It was very much me being like, I'm going to make a game and it's going to be small and that's okay. Um, But yeah, Chicken Scratch was uh, largely inspired by Redwall, uh, by Brian Jakes, um, Mm -hmm. whose last name I finally learned how to pronounce like a couple of years ago. Um... (laughs) reading him in like fourth grade i was like oh yeah brian Jacques." no ah. it's, it's brian jakes um anyway yeah so chicken scratch is inspired by the redwall books and it is about uh an animal community and uh one it's a two-player game one player uh plays um the uh letter carrier so you the mail carrier so you're just going around delivering letters and mail to people to animals and the other player uh plays a concerned neighbor who is following around the mail carrier uh, concerned because they have a letter that the mail carrier has now and they don't want the mail carrier to send it. Um, But it's pretty awkward to ask for your mail back. So that that's the game you're, you're, you're exploring the animal community through these two players, through these two character concepts. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's, that's chicken scratch. It's like a PG version of the cloud. If you ever heard about that film. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which i won't get into it's... because it's a pretty raunchy movie <laughs> yeah it's pretty cute yeah i i adore that i think that is so much fun just in general like just i love that so something that's been brought up a lot on this show and is seen just through how much is coming out is the and even more so because i asked you this question before i got a good answer but the TTRPG space is growing. Right now, it's it's becoming massive. Part of this is the obvious the acceptance. Things like Critical Role becoming popular and the Adventure mm-hmm. Zone. Those obviously have a huge part to play in it. I mean, not too long ago, mm-hmm. Legends of Vox Machina came out, and I think it's still got like a ninety nine to one hundred percent score on Rotten Tomato, and that's a D and D. Yeah, it's nuts. It's got that's a D and D inspired show. So. What are some of the things you're seeing, though, as more and more people get involved with the hobby? 
Gosh, in terms of like the kinds of games that are coming out, like games that are coming out, the community as a whole, like what what are some of your your vibes you're getting? Gosh, well, I mean, okay, so this is from my very singular experience. I have no idea, uh-huh. like data or statistics or whatever. But um, the thing that I'm seeing is that so many uh, queer and trans people are getting into this scene um, or, uh, you know, like spearheading this scene in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really cool and neat Um, because I think like, I don't know, something about tabletop role playing games invites you to imagine different ways of being. And I think that lends itself to a lot of queer and trans experiences intrinsically yep. uh, in some ways. Um, and it kind of like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. So that, that's, that's a big trend that I've been seeing, noting, whatever. <laughs> you hear that, J-Dragon? Come on my show. Yeah, J-Dragon, like, <laughs> hi, what's up? You should come on Zach's show. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. That's That's one of the best things I've seen from the tabletop community is the level of acceptance and the level of intolerance for intolerance. So Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of spaces, obviously there are the dark corners, but I think for the most part, there's like a lot of, from what I'm seeing, that's, this is like as a a cis white dude, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot more diversity coming into it just in general. It's a place for, I think, people who don't typically get to have their stories told where they Mm -hmm. can come and tell those stories. And I really appreciate that. For sure. Okay, well, we're going to start kind of wrapping it up here, Emily, but I got two more questions for you. One is super easy. One you might need to think on a little bit. Okay. What advice can you give to someone who wants to design their own games but they have no prior experience. There's not really a good place for them to start that they know of. What advice can you give that person? Okay. So if you're the kind of person who wants to look at what other people are doing first, um, I would go on to itch.io and just start looking at the the physical games uh, category available there. And I would just start like going through um the kinds of games that are offered what the systems are um you can sort it by you know oh this one's free great i don't have to pay for it to look at it awesome um you can also look at kickstarter and other um you know well not kickstarter now because of the whole nft thing crypto whatever but um you know other other crowdfunding uh platforms you can go on to as well to see like what's up and coming what are people like really like excited about um so that's where I would go to. Um, and also podcasts. Like, first of all, listen to this podcast more. Second of all, um, <laughs> you know, I would say, <laughs> listen, I recommend Friends at the Table for many reasons. But one of them oh, yeah. is that they play a lot of games um, and they are also a great resource to check out. If you want, if you need something to be like, okay, but how does the game work? Um, go on to Friends at the Table or uh, other indie TTRPG podcasts like One Shot um, or Follow the Leader uh, and they can give you uh, great examples of how these games are played which can give you ideas about what kind of game you want to play. If you are someone who is intimidated by that or 
is like, you know, no, I don't want to focus on other people. I just want to do my own thing. Um, what I would do is I would make a list or just think about what inspires you creatively, what your influences are, what you're interested in, um, and what kind of story you want to tell, not only tell, but be a part of. Um, because like, as you make a game and as you play test it, uh, you're also going to be playing it. Um, mm -hmm. and that is going to guide a lot about how you approach your own design. So like, don't yeah. be afraid to be like, oh, you know, I'm making this game, but it's really niche or whatever. Like I made a game about a sentient jar of jam in a haunted house. <laughs> like you can go buck wild and make a game and you're still making something. And that yeah. in and of itself is really cool and powerful and beautiful. Um, so yeah, like trust your gut, go with what you love and what you're interested in, because that's going to drive you as a creator, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is phenomenal advice. Another one that's kind of gaining popularity, especially with the whole Kickstarter thing, Indiegogo. Been yes, around for a long time. You. They are starting to grow in their tabletop role-playing game space. Thanks to some bigger creators starting to shift over there, which mm -hmm. has led to some success. Obviously still not the perfect place and itch funds. Itch funds are great mm -hmm. for both creator yeah. and consumer. Love them. For sure. Itch has a great system. I love itch. Oh yeah. Itch is great. Emily, where can people find out more about you and the games that you're making? Okay. So I technically have a Twitter, uh, but I never use it. Um, I'll get, <laughs> I, you know, I'll plug it here, but, you know, no obligation to check it out. It is all lowercase and it is goblin underscore knife. Uh, so that's my Twitter. And I was you trying can to find... figure out why I was following that recently. And I was like, oh, that's Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> the icon is a little, little lizard with a pink, it's a lizard with a pink bow. And if you're like, oh, yeah, like, that's it. Um, so that's me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there if you want. Maybe I'll do stuff there eventually. Um, who knows? That's why you should follow me for like, you know, the foreshadowing. <laughs> um, you can find my games at too many feelings, five dot itch dot IO. And if you're ever in the world plus bond server, hit me up on discord. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally makes sense. As always listeners, those links are going to be down in the description below. And check out Emily's stuff. It's great. I love Toad and Frog Get Married. Like, I know I've said it before. I love it. It's <laughs> cute. It's fun. It's Thank hackable. You. So mm -hmm. go have fun with Toad and Frog Get Married or any of the other games that Emily has made. Emily, mm -hmm. thank you for making the time and coming back onto the show and helping me get this episode up. I was super bummed when we lost the original, but you know what? Oh, I'm going to yeah. go out there and say, I think this is a much better episode and because yes. I'm a lot more confident and I, yeah, I had a lot of fun tonight. So thank you for joining yeah. me. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Audience. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Emily and her cast of products, they're all launched right now. So go check them out. And I hope you all take care of yourself. Have a good night. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Emily for joining me on the show this week. 
Believe it or not, Emily and I have been trying to figure out this episode since, I want to say, August of last year. I'm incredibly grateful that we were finally able to make it work, though, because I had an absolute blast talking to her about her games. They're a lot of fun, really easy to pick up, and they're really affordable and good. So please go check out her itch page. Pick up one of them, or all six. I know you'll love them, and you'll have a great time with your friends playing these ones. As always, though, thank you, audience. Thanks to all of you, we've had one to seven new listeners a day for, I want to say it said two weeks, which is incredible. It really shows me how much you all have been helping to support the show, getting out there and talk. And for big podcasts, that might not be a huge thing, but for the little guys like me, it's great. And I just wanted to say thank you. If you like the show and you want to hear more, why don't you head on over to Apple Podcast or your preferred app and leave a review. Word of mouth is the best way to help Schedule for Launch to grow, and by extension, some of the amazing creators out there who may not get featured as easily. There, unfortunately, will not be a new episode in the next week. Maybe two if things don't work out the way I'm hoping for. I'm moving, and I'm really excited. I, yeah, I, I'm pumped. There's going to be a huge space. I'm going to have a much better recording setup once I get there. But I don't think I can push out a good quality episode that's fair to the creator of the next interview if I rush into it. So I am really sorry for the disappointment. But I can tell you that the people we have lined up are amazing. The games that they have done are super cool. So look forward to that. There's a lot of people I'm going to be talking to in the coming months. I'm really excited, so I hope you are too. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you really soon. Bye.